Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Crime Hour. Today's case takes us to the east end of London in the year 1888. For over a hundred years, people are still fascinated about this case. It is the world's most famous unsolved cases. Today, we are talking about Jack the Ripper. Now, although Jack was never actually identified, hence why the case is unsolved, um, there are lots of um, suspicions and theories of who it might be. And today, I'm going to tell you all of those. So, Jack the Ripper was known to have taken five lives of women, which is now referred to as the Canonical Five, who were prostitutes. And as women, they had no choice but to turn to prostitution to survive due to poverty in the area in Whitechapel. Although there have been talks that he had actually taken the lives of 11 women, again, this was never confirmed. Which is what kind of like confuses me because it's like they have evidence of five women, right? So where did the other six come from and what happened to them? How come there's nothing about them? So I don't understand how people come up with 11 because there's nothing about the other six. These murders were covered in newspapers and the public became quite fascinated. Although in the end, they did not end up being um, caught. The public ended up being quite upset that because of it, that nobody was able to identify this madman. So the police commissioner and the secretary resigned due to feeling like they failed and it consumed so much of their lives. Which I mean, I totally understand why they would be upset because I'd be like, so you're telling me there's like a, you know, like a killer on the loose and nobody has any signs whatsoever. And like, of like who he is, whatever, right? Who he, she, whoever the heck. It's like, so how do you know they're all linked, right? So how are you going to tell us? So I totally get why they would be upset. And obviously, they'd probably be too scared to leave the house at that point, right? If there's like five people dead in the area. Also, before I continue, um, I am sorry for my mistakes. Um, I'm not very good at pronouncing things. So bear with me. So let's talk about these victims. On August 31st, 1888, at 3.40 a.m., the body of Mary Ann Nichols was found in Bucksrow Whitechapel. The body was discovered by a man named Charles Cross, who claimed he was walking in the area when he noticed something towards the western end of the area. Another man named Robert Paul approached the body with Cross. The police arrived and said that Mary Ann was found on her back, her throat was slit, and she was dismembered. When being examined, it was noted that she had only been dead for about half an hour. So, like, this lady was only dead for half an hour when being examined, which means that when these people found her, she was probably, like, literally just dead, right? Because, like, it would have taken some time to get to the examiner, I, I'm guessing, right? Because it's like you have to take it to someone to examine. They can't just look at it and be like, oh yeah, it's been there for half an hour. 
On September 8, 1888, the body of Annie Chapman was found at 29 Hanbury Street. Her body was discovered by a man named John Davis, a elderly resident at the building. Again, like the last victim, her throat was cut, but this time the killer cut out her womb. That's really extreme. Like, not only did you already kill this poor lady, but like, to take her womb out too? For what reason? Anyways, so at this time, there was a doctor named Dr. George Baxter Phillips, who was serving at as the divisional police surgeon at the time and proposed the idea that the killer had a a knowledge of the human anatomy and like obviously because like the person took a womb it's like you have to be very precise to be able to identify like identify by just looking exactly where to cut right so that's what they're going for they're like okay so this person knows the human anatomy so this person must be somebody who has a medical degree okay so before I continue I'm also going to read um, letters that were actually sent to um, the police and all of that um, from the person who quote-unquote was Jack the Ripper or whatever Um, also another thing I want to note because this person knew like human anatomy and stuff like that. Again, remember when I did um that case on Kingsbury Run? It's starting to sound like that, huh? Where they couldn't find it, it was unsolved. It's still unsolved, and the person knew the human anatomy. That is how the Kingsbury Run got the name of the American Jack the Ripper. Anyways, that was a side note. Continuing. On September 27th, 1888, the Central News received a letter from the killer, and it read, and I quote, Dear boss, I keep hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. They joke about leather apron, and it gave me real fits. I am down on whores and shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work. The last job was I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will hear soon of me with my funny little games. I save some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. I'm guessing he's referring to blood. Anyways, red ink is fit enough, I hope. (laughs) Haha. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ear off and send it to the police officers. Just for a jolly. Wouldn't you? Keep the letter back till I do a little bit more work. Then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp. I want to get to work right away. And if I get the chance, I will do so. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind me giving the trade name. It wasn't good enough to post before, but now I have to get all this red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck. They say I'm a doctor. (laughs) Ha ha. So this note, this letter, whatever, 
kind of creepy. And sorry if it sounds terrible. I cannot read for the life of me. And it didn't really make sense. So I had to word it in a way. Like I wrote, you know, like word to word from the letter. But like I had to like say it and be able to read it properly. So sorry if it sounds really butchered. But like what a sickle, right? And like to be able to say all that in one letter, like, okay, you crazy. Three days later, on September 30th, at 1 a.m., the body of Elizabeth Stride was found on Burner Street by a man named Louis Deemschutz. Only her throat was cut, which led police to believe the killer was interrupted when Deemschutz approached. It was also determined that Elizabeth had only been dead for about half an hour when her body was examined at 1.15 a.m., which means if Deemschutz found her at 1 o'clock, it means that she was dead at 12.45. Wow. Okay. I could do math. Not really. About 45 minutes after discovering Elizabeth's body, another body was found on Mitre Square, west of the location from where Elizabeth was. A woman named Catherine Eddowes was the second victim that night. Her body was severely mutilated, including her face. Her uterus was removed as well as her left kidney. Okay, I get it. I I see why this person named himself uh, Jack the Ripper. I get it. But really... Why? What is the point of that if you already, like, if you already go for the throat? What is the point of doing more damage to that person's body? According to police, the killer then returned to the first murder scene that night and left a clue. One of the most solid clues in this case. A piece of Catherine's apron was found near the scene of the crime. It was found by a man named Alfred Long in a doorway of an apartment near Golston Street, a nearby street east of the murder site. Near, near the apron, a message was written in chalk that read, The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing, which was found east of Catherine's murder in the direction of Elizabeth's murder, murder scene. So basically, this killer is going back and forth now, like leaving clues, like, okay, I'll just take Catherine's apron and go towards back to the first lady, right, Elizabeth, and then drop it somewhere, like in a doorway, and then I'll write a, a like, a little message, and a little closer. Because of this, it was believed that the killer entered an area that was later swarmed with cops, and that the killer lived in the East London area. I don't know how this person was able to get away from cops if you committed one crime and obviously there's cops investigating elizabeth's murder scene and then you know let's say down the road or whatever you have catherine's murder scene i don't know how you would escape that especially when you're trying to leave clues too but who knows so remember the letter that was sent to the central news on the 27th well it wasn't posted until october 1st 1888 Although many believed it was fabricated by a journalist, once the police saw it, uh, it like, and the public saw the name, it just stuck. And that's how, from that point on, it was just 
Jack the Ripper. Later, later that day, the police department received a postcard um, after the double murders. Okay, so it was the 30th when the murders happened, and then it's the first the next day. Okay, so the next day, they received a postcard. And this person claimed that they were the Ripper, and they had similar handwriting to the letter that the news people got. And it said, I was not coding, dear old boss, when I gave you the tip. You'll hear about Saucy Jackie's work tomorrow, double event, this time. Number one squealed a bit. I couldn't finish straight off. Had not the time to get the ears to the police. Thanks for keeping the last letter back till I got to work again. Signed, Jack the Ripper. So, I'm very bad at explaining things, but let me try to explain it to you. So basically, after Catherine and Elizabeth were killed, um, obviously whoever did it, and the police, those are the only people who knew, okay? The murderer and the police that were on the scenes. They had not told news cast, like, you know, like they never told the news or journalists or anybody. They never told anybody yet until they wanted to get their facts straight, right? Like most people, they don't want to just blurt out stuff, right? It will scare the public. So when they received this postcard about what happened that night, they believed it was Jack the Ripper who sent them it because nobody else knew yet. It wasn't on the news yet. It wasn't on uh, newspapers. It wasn't anywhere. So the public couldn't have known exactly what happened. But this person who sent this postcard was able to tell word for word what was happening. The double murder and everything. Which honestly is kind of creepy, right? It's like, okay, like people already are terrified. And for you to be sending letters and postcards detailing what is hap what what just happened or what is going to happen is even more scary but i guess the police then have a heads up but even still on october 13 1888 the police spent a week searching every house in the east in the east densworth slums but came up with nothing october 16 1888 a man named george lusk who was the head of the mile end vigilance committee a group comprised of local businessmen to help assist police received a letter which was signed from hell and it was delivered in a box with half a human kidney and it was and it was believed that it was Catherine's kidney remember the ripper took left her left kidney but then later on it was said that it was just a medical student playing a prank I'm sorry, what kind of medical student is playing this prank, especially during this time when you know a killer is on the loose? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Um, Maybe it was the medical student who's the ripper. Because, you know, they should know the human anatomy. Okay, that's just my guess. But it would it would be a pretty good guess, right? They knew they know the human anatomy because they're a medical student and why would you be sending a whole kidney, right, to somebody? That's just wrong. Even as a prank. Like, what kind of sick fuck are you?
November 9, 1888, the body of the fifth victim, Mary Kelly, was found at 13 Miller's Count in her bed by the landlord's assistant who went asking for rent. This murder was the most gruesome and horrific murder of all five of them, okay? Her body was dismembered and skinned down. The landlord said, The sight that we saw I can't drive away from my mind. It looked more of the work of a devil than a man. So by this point, after the fifth victim, um, there have been talk around the neighborhood that um, people are witnessing that they're like saying how like, oh yeah, we saw the killer. We know who it is. I can give you an outline description, right? Like, so that's what they did. They gave an outline, visualized description of this person that they think is Jack the Ripper. They assumed he was 25 to 35 years old, roughly 5'5 to 5'7, stocky with a fair complexion and a mustache. Allegedly seen wearing a dark overcoat and a dark hat. Which I don't know. Um, you know, like, okay, so I don't know if this is actually how it is. But when I picture olden day England or whatever, don't all men look like that? Like, don't all men wear like, or like around that height at least, you know, 5'5". Five, five, Five seven, with a mustache, fair complexion. That's just what I think, okay? Um, if you're living in England. Um, but, so, like, how are you going to narrow that down? Wearing a dark overcoat, right? Like, that's very common, right? Like, a dark overcoat is just, like, a long trench coat thing, right? Like, for men. So, it's like, isn't that very common back then? Or even now? So... How are you going to narrow it down? But again, that's just what people are saying. The Scotland Yard's Violent Crime Command team said that Jack the Ripper was one who one can call evil and incarnated and can be described in appearance perfectly sane, um, frighteningly normal, and yet capable of extraordinary cruelty. They are not wrong. Sir Melville McNaughton, head of the Criminal Investigation Department in 1903, had a general suspicion of who the killer was. He knew the Ripper had basic knowledge of the anatomy, possibly a doctor, and in his notes, he had narrowed it down to three suspects. So now I'm going to talk about suspects, okay? The top three suspects from this guy who thought for sure it has to be one of these three. And then, of course, there's so many suspects out there, right? Or what people would think. There are probably hundreds of suspects. I'm not going to name all of them because it's pointless because it's an unsolved case. But I will tell you the first three that this guy suspected and two others that were quite popular um, of, like, you know, people who follow this case thought suspect number one montague johnson drew it drew it who was a barber and they say that he may have had an uncle or cousin who was a doctor 
possibly lived with his cousin who was practicing medicine close to where the Whitechapel murders occurred. A month before the first murder, his mother went insane and Montague wrote in a note that he feared he may have gone insane as well. Now, Sir Melville McNaughton then wrote in his own notes, I have little doubt but that his own family suspects him to be the killer. It was alleged that he was sexually insane. After the final murder, Montague had disappeared only to be found four weeks after the last murder. His body was found floating in the Thames River on December 3, 1888. At the time of his death, he was around 40 years old, and his family had said that he had an interest in surgery. What do you guys think? Could he really be Jack the Ripper? Honestly, I think this one, to me, I think it was a little bit of a stretch. Because it was like, he was a barber, right? And like, yeah, um, barbers deal with, like, just people in general. But like, to have stretch saying that if he had a, a thing for surgery or medicine or whatever, why didn't he pursue that instead of being a barber? Especially if he had an uncle or cousin who was a doctor. Why didn't he just... I don't know, work with them, right? Um, and, like, the fact that he was, like, thinking, like, he would go insane because his mother went, was insane, I mean, like, I think that's also a stretch. Like, I don't think somebody can pr- really go insane because another person's insane, but, like, it'll probably drive him insane, like, mentally that, you know, he has to deal with that. But I don't think that would have, like, caused him to kill. But that's just me. Suspect number two, Michael Ostrog, is a Russian doctor, a criminal who was in an asylum for homicidal tendencies. Now, McNaughton noted that Michael couldn't provide a solid alibi to all his whereabouts during the murders. Unfortunately, he was never convicted because there was lack of evidence. Again, this might be, maybe Michael, maybe. Because, I mean, he was in an asylum for homicidal tendencies, and he was a doctor, which means that he knew the human anatomy. And he has no solid alibi for where he was all those, during all, the, all five murders. Could be. Maybe. But that's all there was, right? There was actually no evidence of him actually being there. So, they couldn't convict him. Moving on. Suspect number three. Adam... Whoops, scratch that. Aaron Kosminski. He was a Polish and Jewish resident at Whitechapel who spent some some time in asylums in 1889 and after the last murder. He would later reside in asylums up until his death in 1919. He was well known for his hatred towards women, particularly prostitutes. Aaron's appearance matched the description of a man police suspected in Mitre Square the night of the double murder. Okay, first off, before I continue, 
if you have if you were a cop and you thought this guy matched the description why didn't you question him right i would have brought him back for questioning but i'm not a cop anyways now aaron's name is also familiar to the public as it was in a famous book by russell edwards called naming jack the ripper the author russell had believed that aaron was the ripper Reason being that in a book, a shawl was purchased at an auction that had connections to Catherine and contained DNA linking it to Aaron. Russell had the help of a molecular biologist, Yari Luhanine of Liverpool, John Moore's University, and they believe the bloodstained shawl is connected to Catherine based off DNA comparison from her descendants. And they found semen on the shawl that also linked back to Aaron. Because of this, many thought, case closed. It was Aaron Kaminsky all these years. Russell even quotes in his book, I've got the only piece of forensic evidence in the whole history of this case. I've spent 14 years working on it, and it was definitely, and we definitely solved the mystery of who Jack the Ripper really was. Only non-believers will doubt. This is it. Now we have unmasked him. Unfortunately, the scientist Yari made a critical error. He found a mutation in the DNA on both the Shah and Catherine's relative um, that they took DNA from. And the mutation was named 314.1C, which is only found in 1 in 290,000 people, which made it very possible that it was Aaron. But turns out, the mistake was the mutation he found was really 315.1c. He clicked the wrong button, which is shared by 99% of European descent. And so really, it could be anybody at this point. I could only imagine thinking, oh my god, you solved this murder after, you know, like, how many years, right? Like, the 14 years that you spent researching on Jack the Ripper. And you're like, oh my god, I solved the mystery. It was this guy. Only to find out while you were writing this out or, like, typing this out or whatever, you click the wrong number and then you find out, never mind, it could be anybody. Aaron's DNA was linked to the shawl using mitochondrial DNA using a subtype that is far from unique. So at this point, it do- it's not doing anything. It doesn't even prove anything. Sir Alec Jeffries, a British genetics regarded as the godfather of DNA fingerprinting, said the evidence needs to be subjected for peer review. No actual evidence has yet been provided. So, Yari has yet to publish this finding in a peer-reviewed scientific journal and has refused to answer any questions. Um, He refused to talk to um, people who work for, you know, the news station, anything like that. He's just refusing to talk to anybody, which is making it impossible to verify his and Russell's claims. Honestly, during that time, I think I would have guessed it was Aaron also. 
because if the police even say that he matched the description of a man at the scene of the crime and you know even though scientists messed up on the dna either way his dn like his dna could have been on it right like it was Aaron's semen you can't mess that up right even though all the other ones all the other dna was a mutation of Catherine's. i still want to know how did how did the semen get there how so i think it could have been so those were the three suspects that melville mcnaughton um suspected and now i'm going to tell you the two other theories that it could be so some say jack was really a woman jill the ripper which would have let the killer slip by as police never suspected a woman right they were always out looking for a man and it could have been a woman who was a midwife because a midwife would have known the human anatomy because she had to help give birth and stuff like that and no one would have questioned the blood on her clothes because she was a midwife it would never have raised any questions which could actually be the case you never know and like maybe she just um went crazy right like maybe she just went crazy and just decided to kill these people or maybe um i don't know i can't really think of anything else really but i mean i think that kind of fits though because nobody suspect would have suspected the woman and if she was a midwife really she could have gotten away with it right Another popular theory is that it was a royal conspiracy. Prince Albert Victor Christian Edward, oh, that's a long name, who was known to be around all the areas where the murders took place. And apparently some activity led him to contract syphilis, and it caused him to go insane and to commit the murders. That is the theory. Um, Albert may have also had a child with a local woman, and Queen Victoria demanded that anyone who knew the woman or the child should be taken care of. And that another thing would be the reason why he was never caught was because royal aides assisted in covering his identity. But again, there's no evidence to any of this. Not any of the three suspects, not any of these two being a girl or being a royal subject um but if it was up to me i really do think it would have been aaron because come on a scientist was involved even though he messed up imagine it was just like that moment he was just so excited he he messed up but i bet you it maybe Maybe if a scientist were to look at it again today, you never know. It could have actually been Aaron. But, uh, yeah, that's my opinion. And so this is the case of Jack the Ripper. And let me know your theories of who it is. Just, you know, send me a message on um, whatever. A lot of you know me and have me on Instagram and all of that. 
yeah. Uh, I don't know how to feel about this. Like, it wasn't a very big case. Um, I tried to make it as straightforward as possible. Um, it's still one of those, like, really known cases. But, yeah. I don't really have anything else to say about this. Except for the fact, like, these poor women. And also, I'm still really leaning towards that medical student because, what the fuck, man? You don't have anything better to do in 1888 that you're going around pranking people, putting kidneys in a box? What the fuck's your problem? Anyways, I will catch you guys next week. Bye!